Welcome to the Invest in San Antonio podcast, hosted by Brad Larson, real estate broker and founder of RentWorks Property Management in Military City, USA. San Antonio, Texas is one of the greatest places on earth to work, live, and raise a family. It's one of the fastest growing areas in the country. So together, let's take advantage of the rock-solid economy along with the strong housing market. In this podcast, we'll interview some fantastic guests with conversations highlighting some of the best parts of the local real estate market and the people that make it great as we invest in San Antonio. Welcome everybody to another edition of our Invest in San Antonio podcast. I'm your host, Brad Larson. I am the founder and owner of RentWorks, a property management company here in San Antonio, Texas. And today's guest, I have Miss Avery Duke. Now I got to give you some full disclosure. Okay. I know Avery because I play golf with her, her husband. His <laughs> name is Will. He's a good dude. He's the fanciest dresser I've ever met. And so he and I get to play golf now and again. And I got to meet Avery through Will, who are her husband. So I wanted to reach out to Avery because she is a mortgage broker here in the San Antonio region. So we're going to have a good discussion, good conversation about what's going on in the market of mortgages and just kind of the buyer's agency going on. She's seeing everything from an outside perspective. So Avery, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. Thank you. Brad, this is so cool of you to do this. I was so excited to get the invite and get to talk to you because I've watched your podcasts and seen your stuff and you've been doing this for a long time too. So this is, this is fun. This is fun. And I get to kind of rub it in Will's face too. <laughs> I appreciate that. So let's, <laughs> let's go through some of your background because we want to give the audience some scale about who they're talking to, who they're listening to. So give us a little bit of what's going on with you. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I am um, a mortgage banker with legacy mutual mortgage here um, in the San Antonio area. I'm actually based, my office is based out of Bernie, Texas. Um, and just a side note, Brad's my neighbor. So that's kind of one of the ways we know each other. Uh, I've been doing this for really strong six years. Um, my background, believe it or not, my background was I, I used to run retail stores and develop businesses and grow businesses on the retail scale for Fortune 500 companies. And um, just in my lifetime said, I'm kind of tired of working this much. I was working myself to the bone and not really loving it, wanting to raise a family. Um, and so I got out of that and dove really deep into mortgage using my um, education, my background, my degree in finance and wanted to help people on a different scale. And so um, just in the last three years, I've closed over 900 loans. So I've done a lot. Um, it's a lot of, a lot of education in, in just a short amount of time in my whole five years, definitely more than 1200 loans. But, um, when I say dive deep, I, I mean, I meant it closing, you know, 50, 60 loans a month. So I've, I've scaled back on that and I've become a lot more intentional and a lot more selective, um, on who I work with and the types of loans that we do. But, um, it's given me a lot more time, freedom and, and more happiness, of course, with more time with my family. Yeah. So some background from my perspective, from legacy mutual, I know the founders, I know your team leaders, I, you know, I met them way back when I first started in real estate 18 years ago and I saw the company grow. And so it's actually one of the things when I was really selling a lot and I would tell owners when I'm selling their home, we would get offers from, uh, companies with, you know, chase or some other broker out of God knows where. And I'd be like, oh, well, here's one from Legacy. This one, I know they're going to close because these folks have always been solid in that area. And it's actually a good reputation that they have. I mean, a great reputation you yes. have in the San Antonio market. So 
Uh, I wanted to throw that in there because you know it's not just a regular mortgage broker. I mean, there's a thousand of them out there, but when you work with Legacy because of their history and the, their reputation, it does kind of set you apart. And so I give you kudos for that. And that's a lot of volume that you've been closing. So I'm quite impressed with that because it, it takes a lot of juggling. You're juggling 10 different things at once and there's so much going on. And it's just, it's not as easy as people think. And I always laugh when people get mad when a, when a mortgage lender says, hey, we need your, uh, you know, your driver's license. And you're like, well, I already gave that to you <laughs> six years ago or six months ago. And you're like, okay, just help us out. And, I'm giving you $500,000, take three minutes and send me your driver's license. You know, I always, I always laugh when people get super upset about that stuff because at the end of the day, you're doing them a very good service. Now, so tell us more, a little bit more about the business history. So um, you didn't start with Legacy. You kind of grew through the, the trenches a little bit. Talk, through, talk us through that. Yeah, you know what? Actually, um, Brad, I did start. I was like, my career was birthed at Legacy. I, I Like I said, you know, I'm a very intentional person. And so to your point, um, and even recently I've had listing agents come up to me and say, we had higher offers, but we accepted your offer because of legacy's reputation. And I love that. I sought that out. So when I knew that I was going to be leaving this very lucrative career to change, completely change, I looked at lenders and I knew I wanted to be at legacy and I picked up the phone and you probably have heard of Josh Sigmund and I called Josh. And I said, Josh, I am going to stop everything I'm doing. I want to settle down, come work on your team. And I want to learn everything, you know, um, Will is good friends with Josh and said, you need to meet this guy. I think this is the place you need to be. My husband's been essential in a lot of things that I've done. He's, he's my, my, my husband, my you know, the father of my child, and as well as a teacher in my life. And I respect his opinion. So I said, okay, I'm going to take a look at these guys. I met Dan and, and just to your point, I mean, these guys are solid. They know what they're doing. Um, it's, it's a smaller company. I mean, we're 47, I think maybe 49 now loan officers, um, doing a couple of billion a year. We, and, and so it feels like home, but our processes are tight. Like I can pick up the phone and call an underwriter by name and talk to her about a file. Um, I can walk down the street, you know, used to be in the Paisano's building in San Antonio, now I'm in Bernie, but I would be able to walk upstairs and talk to him about a file. So for me, it was all about, can it feel like home? Can it feel close? So, and I took a, I took some time away and I went, um, and I, I, I did work for a couple of other companies just in my exploration and nothing bad about these other companies. They actually are very good companies. I mean, you guys could look me up on LinkedIn and see who they are. Um, they're great. I just have to say it only drove home for me the processes are so tight at legacy. It's very different. I couldn't service my clients the way I wanted to. Um, I couldn't close the deals as fast as I wanted to. I couldn't do as many deals as I wanted to. So, um, while the clients may not have felt it, I was like a duck, right? I'm just like paddling underwater, <laughs> but on the top, I'm really cool. Another scenario where I'm like, man, I can't work like this. I, I, this is not, I know how this is done. It's like holding a real $100 bill. And then someone gives you a fake one and you're like, all right, I, I can't, this is not the real thing. Yeah. Sometimes we need perspective by just kind of shopping around being, have other experiences. So that's a great way to kind of segue because now we have a little bit of, you know, who we are, what we are on this podcast. We can start talking about the San Antonio market because that's always the fun stuff. But I had yes. to put that in perspective to folks to, to give them some context about who they're talking to. They're talking a, to a high volume experienced loan officer 
just doing great things in the market for a great company. I know, I know the founders, as you mentioned. I know Josh, as you mentioned. And so now that we've talked through that, so the lending world, right? This is where we get into like what's going on in the world. The lending world is, ah, you guys have been riding away for like a dozen years since 2008, 2009, and everything started to rebound. And so a lot of us are like, okay, where's the turn, right? When's it going to stop? But yeah. it, it just it just hasn't. And so, you know, it's interesting, um, the lending world as it is, because you guys see some stuff going on. And I'm going to make a point. I've seen where uh, we've seen reports of mortgage applications starting to come down because everyone who's ever wanted to refi has already refied. And now they're already starting to talk about interest rates going up sometime in 2022, even Q3 or even Q2 of 2022 but we're not talking six points we're talking a quarter point right yeah uh if you want to hear a sob story go talk to our parents generation where interest rates were 12 14 15 percent when they were purchasing and oh my god interest rates are going to go to four percent the world's coming to an end you know it's it's it's, uh it's not going to change the the big (laughs) scope of things but so what's going on in the lending world kind of give me you know have you seen any trends what's going on the last six months and what do you predict in the future yeah. So, um, disclaimer, I'm not the genie in the lamp, you know, just putting that out there. <laughs> I know you're not asking me to be, but, and I tell my clients that all the time. So yes, riding away, Brad, you're right. Um, I'm still riding the wave. I'm, you know, putting the gel in my hair, getting on that surfboard. I'm ready to go because it has been an incredible time. Um, Yes, we did not expect COVID to lend us the market that we have. I mean, we, I think we all thought, holy crap, the world's coming to an end. And then all of a sudden, my phone won't stop ringing, right? Whether it's with purchases, refinances, investors, and it just started getting bigger and bigger. Rates got lower and lower and lower. I mean, I was doing cash out refinances for credit scores of 640 and a with a rate of in the mid threes. Like that is just unheard of, right? And quite frankly, we're pulling out of that already. I mean, we've been, but I, I just... I don't see rates getting so high where people are, are going to stop buying and stop refinancing anytime soon, honestly. Well, it's um, a big population boom. That's a big part of it. So you, you can probably segue this into a story to where uh, you've done loans for these people and these people, and they're all coming from out of state. And I, you can't blame them, honestly. I mean, where we are is a fantastic place to be. San Antonio market is very, very, very healthy, has been historically and will be for you know historically ever if you really look at the if the population's going there, it can't go down in value. Am I correct? I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, you just, all you have to do is read, right? You see all of the people that are leaving the West Coast and we're saving them all, bringing them here to Texas, right? Um, The businesses that are closing and they're coming to Texas. I mean, there are more jobs that are gonna be produced in and around this area, which to your point, what it means is investors, when you're buying homes, these people are gonna need a place to rent, right? So investor uh, purchases, I don't see them slowing down very much. Um, It it just increases what's happening here. It does also increase home sales. Uh, I was just at uh, Platinum Top 50 yesterday. We had a a big meeting with with the top agents in the city. And what they're saying is, I mean, there are purchases of 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million that we haven't seen in this area. So I truly believe things that we have not seen are just starting to happen and it's just going to get bigger and bigger. So I've never been a naysayer. I've never been a worry wart. I think for those of us that are really good at what we do, we're going to stay in this business. 
So yeah, a little tidbit of uh, trivia there. I was a platinum top 50 recipient way back when, when I was I doing sales. Yeah. That does that not shock a, me. <laughs> yeah. A long time ago. Um, what I want to talk about. So talk to me about the investor financing. So let, let's imagine we're talking to a rookie investor. They're listening to this podcast or learning all about what we do as property managers and investors. Uh, what are you seeing out there for investor products right now? Yeah. So um, really I tell all my investors, it's just, a, it's a minor difference, but um, putting 25% down, right? Everybody thinks, oh, can I get away with 15, 10? You really can't. Um, to make the rates worth the purchase, you're going to need to be in the 20 to 25. And I'll tell you, the difference between putting 20% down and 25% down is significant, up to up to half a point in cost. So um, I've got a lot of real uh, investors right now buying duplexes, quads, right? Um, they're trying to get that, big bang for their buck. I, I always tell my investors, you know, I, I do specialize mostly in uh, primary residence purchases and refinances, but I do have a book of business that I just have a nice 15% turn of all my investors that just come back to me. Um, and they know put 25% down excellent rates at that, at that space. We were doing, I was going to, I was in COVID when I was doing investors, um, 25% down, we were in the low threes. Okay. Fantastic. Um, so my take on that too, uh, to add, if you're ever talking to an investor and they say, should I buy a single family home or a duplex? We always tell them the most appreciation comes in the single family home because it's a longer term rental that does not depreciate as much. It does not take on the, the wear and tear like a duplex will. And it's typically more in a nicer neighborhood where it's a more residential type neighborhood. Yes. The duplexes can be a little industrial. Right, where they're like duplex, duplex, duplex. They they become like almost a different form of an apartment complex, yes. and so they just don't appreciate as much. Now you can get the more bang for your buck. Uh, the duplexes they should still be going for, you know, close to the 0.8 percent rule. If not, maybe you could touch the one percent rule where you buy a three hundred thousand dollar duplex, you should be able to get fifteen hundred aside, and that equals three thousand, which equals one percent of three hundred thousand. So the one percent rule still is there. Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't appreciate as well. So it's a six, one, half dozen, the other. I mean, I could spin the math for you 10 different ways, but it really sure. is right, right there at it. So one of the things I was going to talk about this pre-show is the FHA deal, right? So yeah. putting, putting a different hat on and now you're helping primary investment, uh, primary home buyers. We, we feel so far, sorry for them in this market because the FHA and the VA pre-approved buyer is just they're, they're in the back of the line. And so it's kind of sad for them because what they're competing against are buyers who are cash, conventional, and they are ready to go and close in two weeks. I don't want an inspection. I don't want a title policy. I don't want, I don't want a home warranty. Uh, just, I want to pay cash and I want to sign the check and move in. And that's, that's very difficult to compete with for the FHA buyer. And so we're, we're yeah. seeing a lot of these folks from obviously out of state, I mean, why would you ever want to live in some of the places they're moving from? Uh, and so they're moving here and they have cash because the places they're moving from, they're so far out of whack. They sell their, their, their California home for 2 million, which is a, you know, 300 square foot bungalow. Yep. And they, <laughs> yeah. and it's like the, the old, you've seen that TikTok, you know, where the, they're selling an apple, right? And so here I've got an apple for sale and the local buyers are like bidding it up. And this guy from California walks in and he's like, I'll give you a hundred dollars for the apple. And they're all looking at him like, what are you talking? Oh, it's, a it's the cheapest apple I've ever seen. 
And so that, that's what we're seeing with these California folks that come over here and like, what? Oh, only, only half a million for that home? How many can I buy? Lots of, and they're buying, and, and some of them are buying second homes. They're just like, you know what? I'm not ready to get it rented. I'm not ready to move. I'm just going to buy a second home. I see that a lot too, right? Um, Interesting. So talk me, through, talk me through the second home financing gig. What are the rates and stuff on that? Yeah, so rates for a second home, and the reason why people like it is because um, you don't have to put as much down and you get better rates, right? Because a second home, so it's kind of a risk level. You've got your primary residence, your second home, you got your investment property. So as we're, you know, as the banks are assessing rates, it's risk level. When the poop hits the fan, what's the first property that's going to leave? Well, it's going to be your investment property. Then after that, it's your second home. And then, of course, the last thing that's going to happen is you get rid of your primary. So people like the second home. Because, you know, if they don't have a job in place in the state that they want to move to, we can qualify them with the income in the current state that they're in, right? They can handle all of the, you know, all of the issues with getting a job. When am I going to move? They can handle that later. Um, now there's some background, obviously, investigation we have to do to provide proof that this is really and truly going to be used as a second home because obviously we don't want to commit mortgage fraud. And so we're very careful with that. Um, but it is a viable option, if you check off the boxes and, and it, and it looks good, it's a good way to save money and just to kind of take your time. Is this a method of, of, uh, of house hacking, right? Because kind what, of. They, what they're doing is they're, they're getting into the market and then they're treating that home as like a short-term rental. Maybe they can do that. I don't know if the lender allows it or frowns upon it, but I mean, if it's a second home, you can't live there all year. So they got to do something with it when it's vacant. Right. Yeah. We're like, look, if they want to do an Airbnb on that property for the time to see the off season, nothing wrong with that. Um, but yes, we are going to look and say, okay, does this make sense? Do you have family in the area? Like what's, what's going on here? And there've been a couple of times where the underwriters have had to say, look, I'm sorry, you know, or we we've had to look at it and say, this just doesn't check the boxes. It's too iffy because yes, it can be a hack. We're aware of that, but also I'm kind of a can do, how can we make this happen? Right. And it look right. And it feel right. And no one's getting in trouble. We're doing it the right way. So give us a briefing on the situation with appraisals. We've seen them get backed up like crazy. Uh, these appraisers are getting fat and happy. They're, they're you know, taking on orders as, as many as they want, as slow as they want, and yeah. there's nothing we can do about it. So, uh, you know, you don't have to pull any punches because, you know, appraisers, I, I don't have, you know, my mom always said, if you can't speak nice about somebody, don't say anything at all. So I'm going to try to hold, you know, refrain from the, the appraisers world, especially when we start talking VA appraisers. Oh, my God, don't get me started. But talk to me about the appraisal world as you're seeing it from the lender's perspective. So, yeah, I'll talk about that. I'm going to go. I'm also going to kind of go back to the VA FHA thing. So I have to admit, I really tried to understand the appraisers during this time because it was and still in some ways continues to be extremely frustrating with um, when they can get out there, how much they're charging and still, you know, showing up late or, you know, at, at the 11th hour. Um, and so I picked up the phone and I called a few appraisers, not for anything other than to just say, Hey, I want to understand what's going on. Like there's plenty of realtors. There's plenty of lenders. What's going on with the appraisers? Like what's going on? So uh, what the feedback that I was getting is that they really are not enough appraisers. I don't know why. Did people didn't see the opportunity and say, Hey, I'm going to become an appraiser. I think it obviously takes time. And most lenders are not going to acquire you as an appraiser, a valid appraiser, unless you've had at least three years experience. So you can't even get on the panel. So it's kind of like, well, we're stuck. And yes, we had to pay the price as lenders. We got beat up. It's our fault that the appraisal didn't come in. 
Um, and very frustrating. And yes, to your point, Brad, it's like our hands are tied. You can't talk to them. You can't, you know, entice them. Can you, can you get this done a little faster as much as you want to do that? Um, so yeah, we're at their mercy of whatever they decide they're going to do and whenever they're going to do it. Yeah. And they love it, by the way, they, they, they hold all the power and they think it's a, a good thing for them. So enjoy it while they can. Maybe we'll see some, I would hope some, some regulations will change upon that. Uh, well, look, because- I also, sorry to interrupt, but on that note, I dug really deep and I started getting appraisal waivers. So really? yes. So I learned a trick. I'm not going to share my trick because I don't want people to take my trick because it's my trick, but I learned a way to be able to, now it doesn't happen all the time. And, um, with certain properties, it's absolutely not going to happen, but I was able to get, uh, appraisal waivers for a lot of properties, whether they were uh, at purchases and refinances. So it really saved me going, you know what? I can close this deal faster. I don't need an appraisal. Wow. That's a darn good idea, honestly, because, you know, look, if you're putting a certain percentage down and the underwriters can say, all right, look at the tax records. Okay. I can look at some comparables from the multiple listing service myself. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're safe on this one. Right. And they check the That's box. That's exactly right. Yeah. I bet we have I more than totally enough room. We can sign off on it. Let's go. And so those are kind of some of the tips I'm giving my realtors and my, my investors or my, um, you know, my clients like, Hey, it's, it's probably worth it to you to put a little bit more down. And conversely, I've had clients say, look, it's not worth it for me to put more down. I want to save my cash. I'll take the appraisal. I'll wait. Um, and we prepare for that. So quite honestly, for me, I haven't had any issues, even with my FHA and VA, um, buyers getting the appraisals because I'm preparing them. We're ha- I'm having conversations. These are things that I see. I'm not sitting back kind of crossing my fingers. Um, do I have as many VA and FHAs? I mean, those government loans. Yeah. I mean, they're like 2% of the deals, the people that are brave enough or that that's the only way they can get a home. Right. And in those cases, we're doing our due diligence to make that offer look even better. Number one, it's got obviously the legacy letterhead. You've already said it. That's a, that already puts a little packs, a little power in the punch and then getting a pre-approval. What's important is I want that underwriter. Can you just look at this income for me? Look at everything without the property and tell me we're good to go. And then we can present a pre-approval and that offer is it's like a cash, a cash offer. And it's going to be looked at different. We can close faster. So when the listing agent sees that, all of those things on top of it, of another, I, I haven't had many issues with those types of offers getting accepted, to be quite honest. Yeah, well, we see some of the opportunities at RentWorks to expand is we want our investors to buy more rental properties. And we have a program to where if they become owners of four or more properties, we call them a multiple property owner. And sometimes folks come with us with one or two and they have the investment hat on and they're like, we want to buy four, five, six. And so we incentivize them with our, with our better pricing to buy more properties. And we have pocket listing programs where they, where if somebody wants to sell out of our inventory, we introduce them to one of our investors who wants to buy more. Awesome. So we're doing a lot of that to try and build up the investor base. I love that. I love that. I see there are some people out there that are, that are hungry. Um, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, I don't know what you're seeing on your end and you're probably going to say that you agree in spite of some of the pain that happened through COVID, there is a huge cash flow happening. I mean, 
huge cash flow, people selling businesses that, that were never going to do that before. Um, you know, people such as, you know, such as myself in, in lending in real estate, making more money than they thought they could ever make. And there's this, there's, I've seen this sort of influx of cash that they don't know what to do with. And they're going, okay, I'm going to buy some, I, I want to buy a property. If they're educating themselves, if they're listening to your podcast, if they're, you know, going out there and reading, they're wanting to buy properties. And so we are having to get a little bit more creative uh, for our investors. Yeah, because that's one of the big challenges. I mean, they they have the 20% or the 30%, whatever you might need, but then you have to have somebody find them the home. And so that's where we come in as a solution. We have good sellers agents, good buyers agents. So we could take an investor, get them partnered up with a lender, and we can start out and go and find them however many investment properties they want, or we have the off-market properties such as our pocket listings, to where if they're ready to go, uh, we have pocket listings that pop up all the time, reduce commissions, there's no make ready, there's no churn. I mean, it's just a, a super situation for can investors I ask, to get into. Can I ask you a question about that? Sure. I'm really curious. I'm also, I also kind of want to learn um, here. What do you think of Perch and Open Door? And, you know, of course, we've seen Zillow kind of get out of that business. What does someone in your position? think about that. What direction do you think that's going and how does that affect what you're trying to do in your business? Oh, that's a great question. I am like, I'm like sh- rubbing my hands together. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just like, I don't, where do I start? There's so many things I would like them to on. go away, but that's me. But you know. No, the, and you touched on it because we had it kind of on our list to talk about, but the iBuyer situation with Zillow and Open Door and all these others, it, it, the biggest thing that we've seen and you've seen is Zillow shutting that down. And Zillow reporting huge losses this last quarter uh, because of them overbuying. And so a lot of real estate agents were, were, have a giant smirk on our face. And it's like, I told you so, because we were been, we've been fighting this estimate, this, I, I have to keep it clean. I'm not gonna use my fun expletives where I could weave a, a nice tapestry of F-bombs, but yeah. I will tell you that uh, uh, we're, we're all in that I told you so mode because we've been competing with the estimates for years. But I do think that the other buyers are going to pick up the slack and then they're also managing their own properties because they see the influx of people. Again, it's, it goes back to this population thing, right? And if, if everyone's moving here, they all need a place to live. The iBuyers, they're just pumping in a ton of money. And to coincide with that, guess what? Wall Street's now discovered that property management companies are some of the best and safest investment to put their money into because of the recurring revenue model and the population growth because more investors coming into the market, more people moving into the area, makes property management of what we do that much more valuable. So we're seeing a lot of money coming our way for people doing acquisitions or buying up other management companies, et cetera, they're doing roll-ups. But back to the iBuyers, I don't think that's ever going away. I think they're gonna continue to buy properties. Now they might slow down a little bit, and if the others start to turn it off, hold on to your hats, because the conspiracy theorist in me says, "Uh uh-oh, Zillow's pulling back right? What do they know that we don't know? You, you understand? Yeah. Like, yeah. Is, is the world coming to an end around the corner and we don't know what they know? Uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, there was a really good podcast the other day I listened to on Bigger Pockets, and they were talking about how this ties into inflation, how it ties into uh, the interest rates, how it ties into all these different uh, metrics that are going around the world. And I do think it's a, it's an opportunity to, to say, okay, well, they're out there, they're buying, but we work with a couple of those. Uh, and they have this little box to where they will only buy in that box. 
there's a certain cap rate, a certain rental amount, or a certain price point, mm-hmm. uh, a certain square footage, and they have their, only, their own little buyer's box. So if you're an investor, don't be intimidated by them because they're only going to take a look at 10, 15, 20% of the homes that are out there. The other 70, 80% or more are wide open on the left and right for any investor that wants to come in and take a look at them. And there are opportunities to get involved with the real estate organizations. There's wholesalers, there's flippers, there's all kinds of ways to get into the market. And there's lots of people still doing owner financing still, where yep. you, could, you could throw down 10, 15, 20% and buy an owner finance investment property, then come to somebody like you after a year and say, Avery, can you refinance me out of this owner financing deal? And then they, they're free and clear with a 30 year mortgage. You know what I mean? To where they, yep. they're not on a five year balloon or something like that. So all these opportunities spin in 10 different ways, which is cool to be a part of the property management world because what we do is in the epicenter of everything. We're in the epicenter of the sellers, the buyers, the maintenance, the leasing, the rentals, all that stuff. And the investment properties, of course, we're right in the middle of that, which is really yeah. cool. So what investment opportunities you see out there right now in the San Antonio market? Are you seeing more flippers, more bridge loans? I mean, what, what are you seeing out there? You know, I, really from what I'm seeing, I'm not seeing bridge loans happening very much. I, as a matter of fact, I feel like banks are getting away from that. Um, at least the ones that I've been dealing with, right? They're kind of, it's, it's, it's prohibitive, I think. And there's so much, here's what I'm seeing. There is so much equity in homes right now. I mean, the average uh, equity increase just since I would say Q2 of last year is like $50,000. So what I'm seeing is you have an, you have an, a, a home, your primary, and you've got, let's just call it 50 to $80,000 because the average is 50. And I've talked to a couple of people. I'm like, why don't you buy a few properties? Hey, I didn't, I never thought of that. So even if they're not coming to me with that idea, I'll go through and I have a client base and I'll say, Hey, you've got some, you talked to me about this a couple of years ago. You wanted to be able to buy some properties. You've got some cash. You want to do that. So I've a little got side multiple- story on that. Well, well, just to coincide on your point, could you make yeah, yeah, please point. go way back in the day? If you've never heard of this builder called Eagle Valley homes, uh, they were in the San Antonio market basically when, you know, Dan and Josh were starting up uh, legacy. And so they were going to California and teaching seminars exactly how to do this. They would fly to California, they'd find a hotel, they'd bring all these investors in and say, look, you're sitting on 200, 300, $400,000 in equity, you know, air quotes, because I'm on the radio, equity right. in your home, because it's California. And they would show them how to refinance, pull out a couple hundred thousand bucks, and then go buy two, three or four rental properties in the San Antonio market, brand new rental homes that they were building that Eagle Valley Homes are building, and they were getting chased down the hall by investors, throwing them earnest money checks and just buying as many as they could, right? That was the good old days. That was, you know, oh three, oh four, oh five. I mean, when the yeah. boom was happening, uh, that's just a little side story. And so taking that to your level, exactly. If you're sitting on $50,000, $100,000 in equity, why not do a refi loan, take out the equity of there, cash it out, and then put it on a down payment for an investment property because you have huge tax breaks. I mean, I could just go, I could talk to you till you're blue in the face about how the tax breaks work, but it just makes a ton of sense for folks to get into that, that arena. Now, here's an opportunity um, where I'm thinking legacy should maybe go explore this product because there are the big purchasers out there. And what they're doing is, well, let me paint this scenario for you and I. Let's say okay. we, you or me wants to go buy a different home. 
okay, well, I'm not going to move twice, right? I cannot stand to move. I don't want to move twice, but I need somebody to help me buy another home, acquire that, close on it, and then I'm going to turn around and sell my existing home. It's a bridge loan, but it's essentially two, it's just uh, like upfront money for a purchase. So mm -hmm. what these big purchasers are doing, they would basically buy the home in their name under you as like a co-owner, for example. You'd move in and then you turn around and sell your existing home, right? It's, it's really kind yeah. of a new concept. And so yes. we're seeing more of that come out in the marketplace because the, they're solving the problem. The yep. problem is if I have to sell my existing home to buy a new home, where am I going to live in the, in the interim? And then I'm going to lose a bunch of purchasing power if I'm trying to do one move because I will get bent over the barrel on the selling side yep. first and the buying side second. So it's an interesting tidbit. We're going to see more and more because it's just, it's like Shark Tank 101. They're solving a problem. What do you think? So smart. So smart. I'm surprised it took us this long, you know, to see a product like that. Yeah, we're going to see more of that in the marketplace. But, you know, as far as investors, the, the cash out idea is really where they're, they're going to win on this deal. Uh, we'll be able to introduce you to some of our investors as we really get going. So, you know, to kind of wrap this up, again, we could go on and on and on. But yes, uh, yes. what I want you to talk to us about is how somebody reaches you. So, obviously they're going to love you. I think the world of you, I think they should contact you and say, I want to buy 10 homes. How do I do it? And so Miss Duke, how can they reach you? Thank you. So I, I will say you can email me. Um, you can call me. I will, um, make sure that I get that information over to you, Brad. Well, you already have my information, but, um, my office phone number, I'll just give you my, um, cell phone. I'll read it off right at 210-710-8227. I'm better reached by text. Um, oftentimes I'm in meetings like this or, you know, talking with others, podcasts, interviews, things like that. I love this kind of stuff. So on a text message, I can get back to you pretty quickly. Um, you can reach me at avery.duke at legacymutual.com and just send me a quick email. I'm really good. I'm really responsive. If I don't respond to you, my assistant Hannah will reply to you and we can set up a chat. Um, usually I just want to, I just want to take 10 minutes, five minutes to chat with you, understand your goals. Um, because I do, I'm, I'm a miner, you know, I like to mine for things. Do is there opportunity in debt consolidation? Is there opportunity in buying some properties? Do you have equity in your home? Uh, what are the options that you have for purchase? So we do it all. Um, we, I do want to plug a new product we have coming that I'm very excited about. Uh, it's our one-time close. A lot of, a lot of people are looking to do that with, uh, especially with construction when they're, when they're waiting to, when they're buying their land, they've got to close. Then when they're doing their construction, they've got to close. And then finally, when they're, um, closing out all of that, the construction they're closing. So it's like anywhere from a two to three time close that we can consolidate into a one-time close. So that's exciting. People are looking for that. Because um, I got to interject because on that product, I'm doing the same thing. I'm building a commercial building for RentWorks now, and we're going to do a one-time close. Uh, by doing a one-time close, we saved, I think, almost $8,000 in title policy. That's where the real expense is. The origination fees are fine, whatever, but the title policy is what kicks you in the butt. And you can't get around it in the state of Texas because it's yep. mandated and regimented and it's required. Yep. Title is the biggest fee in a transaction. It's huge. So it is something I've been waiting years and years to get a hold of. Um, Dan was amazing. He went and did the investigation and said, I'm hearing you. We'll make it a product. We'll get it done. So January of 2022, we'll be able to do that. But um, I just want to say thank you, Brad. You have 
Um, my husband thinks highly of you and he does think your golf game needs to get a little bit better. I don't know. That's between you guys. He's right. He's right. <laughs> you guys like to razz each other. I love it. Um, but this has been an incredible opportunity and I hope to come back. Thanks, Avery, for coming on. We'll stay in touch. All right.